Hi, everyone. This is Maria from the Seared Ghost Podcast, and I wanted to let you know a little bit about how I became a podcaster. I am not the most tech-savvy person, and when I was looking to start this journey, I wanted to make sure that I used a platform that would meet all my needs, that would be easy, and that was free to use. So let me tell you a little bit about Anchor. It is the absolute easiest way to make a podcast, and I'm going to tell you why. First things first, it's free, which is great. Um, I think especially when you're starting out and you're getting your feet wet, it's important to use something that you don't have to put out the money for because if there's great software that's free, why not use it? There's also creation tools that allow you to record and edit your podcast right from your phone or your computer. So I normally do everything on my computer, but I'll tell you that I am the queen of typos. And if I see a typo on the show notes, I can easily fix it from my phone wherever I am, including if I'm like on my spin bike or at the gym and I happen to be just looking over my podcast, right? Definitely have done that. You can also distribute your podcast with Anchor um, across all different platforms. So you can listen to us on Spotify, Apple Podcasts, and so many other platforms. That was so important to me because I wanted to make sure that regardless of where anyone was located or what podcasting platform they used, they could get to the Sirtos podcast. It's literally everything you need to make a podcast in one place, and it is so easy. I did it. Trust me, it's easy. Okay, so download the free Anchor app today or go to anchor.fm to get started. You will love it. This is episode two. We have a very special guest today. Her name is Beba, and she's going to give us a whole bunch of insight into her experience with Greek dancing culture and um, her opinions. So we are grateful that you're here. Enjoy this episode. Remember to subscribe and give us a five-star rating. And if you are interested in being on the podcast, contact us at sirtospodcast at gmail.com or find us on Instagram, sirtos underscore podcast, and we will get in touch with you. Okay, welcome to the Sirtos Podcast. I am so happy to have you on our second official episode. Um, This is Evan and Maria here again today, and we have a very special guest who I'm going to allow to introduce herself. So take it away. Let us know who you are. Um, I am Beba. I'm happy to be here. Um, I am, I don't know, I'm from Virginia. I live in snowy Chicago as of today. Um, I'm a project manager. And my family is from the island of Skidos. Awesome. Thank you, Beba. Um, it's actually welcome. kind of funny. Yeah, welcome. Evan does project management too, so I feel like he just, <laughs> just loves yes, managing projects. So, <laughs> nothing gets done without the project manager. So. Exactly. Keep everybody in line. Exactly. Right? <laughs> and speaking of keeping in line, huh, Greek dancing joke. Number one of the episode. Um, so, Beba, what... a minute in. Right, exactly. Don't worry. I'll be coming up with several jokes as we go through um, this that are probably not good. So, just be prepared. <laughs> um, so, what we've been asking everyone who has joined the podcast is to tell us about how you took your first steps 
in dancing. Um, like where were you, how old were you? And then how has it grown into what you do today? Okay. So I don't know if everyone can say this, but I actually have photographic evidence. <laughs> um, I'm going to show you a picture. I had to follow, I had to dig for it earlier, but that is me at nine months old being dangled between my father and mother at a Greek Easter. I can't see it for some reason. Your Skype is just your picture. Oh. Um, but it's, uh, yeah, it is. Um, it was me and my God cousin. Um, yeah. And they decided that it would be fun to get the little ones in. So they literally just swung us around. I have more pictures where they're like dragging us and we're all both like, uh, you know, <laughs> I love it. Was that Greek Easter in America or were you in Greece? Yeah. Yeah. We, um, we would rotate, um, my dad and his whole body and then what wound up being like our body growing up. Um, we were always all together. It's like, even during the week, we're going over to each other's house you know, put in our pajamas while the parents watch Dynasty. We're like sleeping in the bedrooms, you know. Um, and uh, uh, so we would alternate houses for Easter every year. And it was just like anybody and everybody. So the entire body plus anybody who said they needed lunch or, you know, random American secretaries and their entire family, mm-hmm. you know, it was just um, so like for us, we didn't have Greek dance as kids. Um, they had had it when, I guess, before we were all kind of born, and then um, it fizzled out. That age group all went away to college or moved away, and so the church had nothing. And so for us, like, uh, dance was always celebratory, you know? It was always, like, birthdays and Easter's and dances and uh Banayiri, you know, whatever was going on. Sometimes it was just random. We'd be at the house and somebody would start dancing, you know. Um, when we were around six, one of the, like, older girls in the community decided to teach. Shout out to my first Greek dance teacher, Marianne. <laughs> um, and, I mean, we were, we were wild um so she has the patience of a saint (laughs) um and it was kind of a very different experience because I was a ballet kid I had been going to dance like several times a week since I was two my aunt owned a studio so then for it to shift from like this thing you did and you know with crazy figuras and your dads and moms and cousins and random people to um it being a much more like what is it prescribed process Mm -hmm. it was it was I understood it from dance but that didn't always come across in what we were doing (laughs) (laughs) um and we got older and no one wanted to teach anymore Mm -hmm. so even though we all still wanted to to dance we had no teacher so um when we were in high school we decided to put together a group and we had to fight 
these old bitches at church who didn't want us <laughs> to do it. Um, they they wanted to pay professional groups, mm. and so it became like this huge thing. We had meetings at church, um, and finally, like the godfather of church, Mr. K, was like, "Yeah, we're." I'm sorry, the kids are dancing. So he gave us a bunch of money. Our moms like sewed all our costumes and um, we ran a dance group for a few years. And then we started teaching the younger kids. And uh, it went like that until most of us were in college. Mm-hmm. Um, and then it fizzled out. And then when I moved back from college, I went and joined a group in Richmond, bigger church started going to church there and that was a whole other experience yeah (laughs) it's crazy how like how much how many people you talk to and there's always this like crazy church dynamics and politics yes that you think instead of allowing a program to start and grow and flourish there's this like consistently there's a story about a group of people who don't want it to happen and want to fight it who yeah. and it, it for the life of me i can't comprehend why right? why we do it, that to ourselves this is our culture this is our tradition this is our children and when they want to step up and do something no 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 leave it for the professionals yes well how do you become professional if you're not going to have the opportunity to learn yep and that, for the life of me, every in so many scenarios with church programs, and I'm sure it's not just church programs, but why we we fight sharing our culture and sharing the beauty of it instead of embracing it. But. Yeah, it's it's very weird. It was um, we were we were mad because um, you know a bunch of fiery girls um, because. <laughs> We were like, oh, you don't think we're good enough? Oh, you don't think we're good enough, right? You know, like, and it was just kind of like, we'll show you, you know. So then, of course, we go get all the old men, and we're like, we're the children. How can how can they not support us? Yeah, it was it's just it, that exact thing. Like, how could you possibly be like, mm, no, you know, it's your community, and especially when our festival was always like this kind of party from start to finish where for the few days leading up to the festival I mean it was literally like people are making souvlaki and also up on the empty stage dancing you know Mm -hmm. it's just like a party it was an actual party feeling as opposed to um this obsessive like money making thing yeah Mm -hmm. and then that group kind of switched it and kind of lost all its like specialness you know mm-hmm. yeah um, yeah I don't know um, it was interesting to go from that to the Richmond dance program where it was kind of like Kia Peggy like had the power and mm-hmm. no one would tell her no one was dancing you know what I mean like that was it like dance was king mm-hmm. <laughs> so yeah, I don't know um the thing we thought was most like when so then they started to bring in like groups to teach us dances outside of what we knew mm. and they were always so miserable like they were just unhappy you know uninspiring we're like what the hell like if this is what like 
professional groups are. No thanks. Mm-hmm. You know. Yeah. Right. It's like that. Like no joy whatsoever in it. It was really weird. Who did they bring in to to teach you all? Like from other churches in the states, or like instructors from Greece? Um, from other churches. Mm-hmm. Um, for some reason, which even though they were the ones that performed at our festivals, they didn't bring in the groups from Richmond, the one professional group from Richmond. Mm-hmm. They brought in um, groups from an area that shall not be named. <laughs> um, <laughs> uh, and they, yeah. It's so I'm interesting because it. like, when Evan and I were doing the first episode of this podcast, we were talking about how you have such formative memories of like the festivals and you know how you described it like it was a party from start to finish it wasn't like you know um like a carnival type festival if that makes any sense or like I don't know like it's not a craft fair you know what I mean like it's a Greek fest so you're expected to be like up and dancing and and there until forever and you get home and you're like (laughs) gotta do it again tomorrow you know um yeah and I'm learning that that's not the same for everyone. Um, you know, like when we were dancing up in New York, when we would dance at festivals, it was like you would get there at, let's just say it was a Saturday performance. You'd get there early in the morning. You would have your bag packed with like changes of clothes, extra yep. everything, all this stuff. And you would not see your parents unless they were like helping to teach the dance group until like 10 o'clock that night until you were done with you know, your last performance out of like six shows throughout the day or whatever it might have been. Um, And that was super different for me when I moved here because um, it's not that way with like every community around here. And I was like so used to just like, you know, performances like every hour on the hour or, you know, like basically every two hours you're out there dancing for 45 minutes, you know what I mean? Or something like that. Yeah. Um, Yeah. Um, my mom was, uh, I mean, I grew up like we all grew up in the, at church all the time. Right. Cause you, mm-hmm. there's so much prep leading up to like the baking and all of that. And I remember my mom was chairman one year and she forgot me at school. <laughs> and so I called <laughs> church and I'm like, um, are you going to come get me? And she's like, no you're 12, you can walk here. And I literally had to walk five miles to church. <laughs> because she's like, I can't come. Priorities. <laughs> Priorities. Yeah. This festival isn't going to make itself. Exactly. exactly. <laughs> yeah. it, it, it is a, I mean, it, it's funny. The, the more you, the more you're exposed to different communities, different schools of thoughts, you really do you see, like I, you almost take for granted when you grow up in that environment where dance is celebratory and it is something that represents that coming together of family, friends, um, and it has so much meaning in that regard. But then when you when you're in a community that doesn't celebrate dance for that reason, it's it's just you know something that you do. It's a rite of passage or whatever. You, know, you, you it's a different appreciation for it and. Um, I mean, for the life of me, I want to believe that dance, first and foremost, is about community. Yeah. <laughs> so right. that will be forever what I try to share and teach. Um, this isn't just, you know, like, okay, time to get ready for dance class and let's go. No, no, I, you know. Um, 
Do you do you guys find that you feel like I mean you I remember learning certain like um, when I got to Richmond was the first time I was really like fully exposed to the like Cretan what is it the of like right like mm-hmm. the whole range of uh, Cretan dances and I pretty obsessed with Cretan dance and culture. Um, but do you feel like, like, because you had done it from such a young age, you feel like you just knew dances? Like you just like yes. could pick stuff up and it was like, oh yeah, I can do that. You know, without any sort of struggle whatsoever. I don't, yeah, I don't know. I think that that actually raises a really strong point because um, it's this whole notion of how you teach kids, right? So. Um, if you teach kids to do a dance for a performance to a set song, they learn that music, that step, and how it correlates to that. So the way I look at it is you're teaching one very small instance of this dance. You're not really teaching the essence of the dance or the region or why they do those steps the way they do. Yeah. Versus if you learn dancing through that community style, like through that dancing at home with family, friends, and it can be any song that comes on and you pick all these little things up, you're learning more of the why, not just why you do the dance, the, the, the story behind it, but the why you step the way you do and the, the way you assemble footwork. And I think when you can understand dance at that level, it really sets you up to be able to pick up, even if you don't quite know the exact dance that everybody else is doing, you're like, oh, that's very much like this dance that my yaya taught me back when I was six, you know? <laughs> yeah, yeah. So I think I think that's a very different kind of approach to teaching dance, and, and that's something that me and Maria have certainly talked about is, you know, we don't want to teach dance for the sake of a performance. We want to teach dance, you know, foundationally. This is, yeah. these are, these are the, all the different types of songs you can hear when you're doing this dance and you know um different areas different villages will do these little different think takes on it and this is why and um you know it doesn't replace that kind of upbringing where you have where you're infused with dance but i think you know i try to mimic that the most when i teach so i think that's a huge i think it's a, a very powerful statement a very powerful point that you do you i think you have a different way of seeing your dance and picking it up when you have that kind of background. Mm-hmm. Um, I remember, I think I was like 18. Um, me and two of my really close friends, Kat and Guasta, we had grown up together like at each other's houses and mm-hmm. then, you know, dancing. We were always, we were such weirdos. We used to play this game <laughs> where we, it was called Who Am I? And we would li- we literally knew how every single person in the church danced, <laughs> and so we would get up and we would start a dance, and then everybody would have to guess who it was, you know. And so it was like a time thing. Um, but they went with me to Skidos, and um, throughout the whole summer, there you know there's Panagiri, and the women bring lukumia, and the men bring ragi, <laughs> and everybody goes. Sorry, I'm your about Okay, excuse me. Um, cat interrupting here. Um, a physical cat, so like a feline, just, like, not cat in the story. 
<laughs> oh, yeah, true. Um, uh, so we, you know, we just went and, like, joined one day at Bonayidi, and my cousin comes running up with a video camera, and she's just, like, videoing us in the line. And the whole time she's, like, videoing us, she's, like, yelling over the top of the camera, how do you know how to do this? And we're like, uh, what? <laughs> it's, we just know. Why? She's like, this is so weird. How do you know how to do this? You know, she was completely baffled that we would just join a group, you know, two people who have never even been to Skidos and, like, dance. Mm-hmm. As opposed to, you know, just being a Canadian thing. But, um we noticed that in Skiros they have a way that, uh, you know, they can be doing like a sutor or but the way that they like bend and step. And we're like, I wonder why they do that. And then, um, I don't know if you know anything about Skiros, but it's this very steep uh, town, the, mm-hmm. the Castro and like that. And we were watching these old ladies. We were going up to the top one day, and we were watching these old ladies. And the way that they were walking up the stairs was literally how, like, they bend and step. And they were like, oh, it's because of the stairs. (laughs) (laughs) It's like a thousand years of climbing these stairs has, you know, affected how they make steps in the dance. (laughs) I love that stuff. I feel like that uniqueness, you know, like, it doesn't just come because somebody's like, oh, I feel like bending this way in this step. It's because right. that was ingrained in how, like, how their bodies were moving forever. You know what I mean? Um, so yeah. they translated that movement to dance. I think that's just so amazing. And that's why, like, there are certain, like, elements of dances. And, you know, later on we'll talk about, like, your personal favorites and, and that kind of stuff. But I love being able to see... And Evan and I talked a lot about the memories that we have around seeing people dance when it's from their region. Um, yeah. And it is just remarkable because you can feel that culture, that history, all of that in those movements. And you could be a fantastic dancer, but if you're not from that area, you might be able to mimic it and like get away with it. Right. But you don't it's not in your blood, you know what I mean? And it's so hard sometimes to recreate that. And I think, I think holding on to that and holding on to those memories of that, like when you saw the Ayadas walking up the steps and you're like, that is where this freaking came from. Like, holy cow is just, yeah. What other culture, what other dance style has that? I don't even know. And, you know, I studied flamenco in Spain and stuff like that. And you could kind of connect those memories to that in terms of the movements mm-hmm. and and stuff but I don't know it's just so evident to me in Greek dancing it is so evident and so apparent yeah. there's a there's a book I read one time um that I think you guys love I'll send you the the whole thing I guess I can't remember the author right now but it's called uh dance in the body politic in northern Greece mm-hmm. and this girl's anthropologist and she decided to do her field work on um this like set of small villages in northern Greece and why they dance the way they do, why they like choose the steps they do and the order they do. Like it fascinating book. Mm-hmm. Um, it, yeah. 
Yeah. Um, I was going to say, too, that it's interesting for me. Do you feel like the kids that you grew up dancing with, like you kind of have your own, like you all click in a different way when you get in a line or when you, like it's like we have our own style, too, Mm -hmm. even, do you know what I mean? Mm -hmm. 100%. Yeah. I mean, the people that I've danced with the longest, I mean, even, even though I haven't danced with them in a couple of years now, I mean, aside from Maria, but from back <laughs> home, the people I haven't danced with in a couple of years, like I know if we got into a circle, our styles, our steps would sync up completely. And we would be, I mean, yes. and it's, it's always funny. Like I love watching videos of those performances because you look at how synchronized the steps are and I mean, you look at the whole group and it's like, okay, perfect, 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 perfect. And you slowly start to see it fading off as like the years of like dancing together decrease. You yeah. see like, okay, they're <laughs> new to the group. They're completely, you know, mm-hmm. their foot is three inches off the ground and ours is an inch and a half, like <laughs> get it together. Yep. But yeah, the, it's, it's, it's kind of, um, it's. I mean that I look at those kind of things and that's the stuff that gives me goosebumps because I'm like this is yeah. like when dance becomes so powerful because your connection you, like when you can see that connection get so strong to the point where you anticipate what somebody else is going to do in a dance mm-hmm. and you completely synchronize and choose your footwork to either match them or to complement them um yeah. and it's those moments that just really like uh, everything in me just like tingles with happiness. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. It's, that, I mean, it's that like to you... me is like, it's like success. Yes. That's what we came here to do is to like connect at a deeper level. And we did it. Mm-hmm. Yep. Yeah. I totally agree. It, it, you lose that sort of like, um, when you're next to someone that you, you know, with that you've danced with for 20 or 30 years, mm-hmm. it, it's like the awkwardness goes away right away. And it's all about like the movement you know, and the joy in that movement at that, at that point in time. Yeah. I love it. It's funny. Yeah, go ahead. Well, you say awkwardness and it's, I mean, on the flip side of that, when you dance next to somebody that you just don't connect with at all and you feel that awkwardness, you're like, okay, I gotta, I gotta move out of this situation. Yes. Yes. When the connection's there, it's amazing. When it's not, you know, um, I know. So it you goes have to like ways. resist, resist the urge to like slap their hand, hold it the right way. You know. I feel like this could be a way to like weed out potential suitors. Like you know, um, you know, blindfolded dancing. Like, how do you feel next to this person? Because it's so true. There are just some people who you just do not connect with, or like I have distinct memories of some people. Um who would like hold their arms in a certain way. And I'm like, what are you contorting? Like, why am I feeling like I just tore my (laughs) rotator cuff? Like, let's talk about this a little bit. And it's not, you know, like I joke about that. Like I might be being a little bit, I might be exaggerating a little bit, but um, when you are dancing, even if you don't know the person, like for example, take Laugrafia in Montreal or, you know, other huge conferences, you might be next to someone you never, ever met. You have no idea. But when you gel with that person with dancing, it's like, oh, yeah. All right. This is good. Yep. When you don't, 
it's like, I'm going to take a break or I'm going to move to a different part of the line or whatever, you know? <laughs> yeah. I don't know. Maybe that's, that's, and that's dance like... snobbery. I don't know. Like, so when we talk, when we talk about that in dance and we have, we do that exercise with the kids where we have them close their eyes or, you know, sometimes put a mandili over their eyes and they're, they're dependent entirely on dancing next to people without being able to see. And you really, I mean, the point of the exercise is to get them to focus in on every other, other senses, hearing the music, hearing the footwork around them, the touch of the people around them, and just getting that sense of where you belong in the music and the dance and the circle without having to see it. So teaching that awareness, like, again, you know, bringing it back to, okay, this is the moment that we experience and why it's so awesome. How do I turn that into a teaching opportunity for, you know, the people that maybe don't understand that connection? Mm-hmm. So that, that's just, but yeah, like understanding when you have that connection and you don't need to look at the person, you don't have to watch their feet to see what they're going to do. You just, you feel it in their body. You feel them you know, building up to something and their body weight shifts and you know it and mm-hmm. you can shift with that. Like all those things are just, yeah. Uh, it's, um, we also growing up, we also always learned like the boy and the girl versions mm-hmm. of steps, you know, and figuras and like whatever. And, um, uh, that always helped me too, because I remember like, <laughs> being at like a HEPA dances and being next to a guy and I'm like, this guy does not even know how to dance. <laughs> like I'm a better dancer for the guy parts than this guy. Like what is going on here? Um, Richmond, we, after the festival, our dance group used to do this thing where the girls would do all of the girl, I mean, all the guy parts and the guys would do all the girl parts. And then and we would see, a lot of competition stuff in in <laughs> in our uh, dance uh, culture here, but um, and then you know who won? So like, if the boy and the boys would wear like our aprons and you know it was clear. <laughs> um, but yeah, I would have to say that um, it's good to know all aspects so that you can weed out. <laughs> <Right>. <laughs> Yes, partners. Um, I feel like it's yeah. so funny. If I could do that better. Right? I feel like we all have similar memories, even though we grew up like totally different. Um, what is your absolute most memorable memory related to dance? It doesn't have to be like a festival. It could be anything. But is there something that sticks out as like a pivotal, pivotable, pivotal, pivotal? There we go. Uh, <laughs> memory for you. Um, it's yes, but it, I don't know if it's so much. I mean, I guess it's related to dance. So uh, on Skeetos, we have um, a very ancient apocryatico like thing where the men dress in like skins and they wear the, the bells, the giant bells mm-hmm. and they like, uh, dance up to the church and down like, and it's, um, in the weeks leading up to, um, 
Clean Monday. Mm-hmm. And when we were seven, we had never been because it's always like February, March, you know. Mm-hmm. And my dad, it's really important. Almost everybody goes back to Skeetos for it. Um, and my dad, when we were seven, was like, we're going back. So I left school. I was like, skip school for like three weeks. <laughs> um, <laughs> we went to Skeetos and I was f- fascinated. I mean, terrified, but also like fascinated <laughs> by it because um, you have these guys who every day and there's there's different groups. There's like the little ones and the older ones and the, the ones in between learning. And um, it's just constant like songs and dance and performance mm-hmm. and it's just kind of normal that there are men dressed in goat skins, like <laughs> dancing through town with bells, you know? And it was just like, skeety on it's just people from town. Mm-hmm. And um, I, that's kind of when it like shifted that I realized that not every, like every place has their own like special thing. And I became obsessed with them. And I would try to find out everything I could. I still do. Um, And it's, yeah, I would say that's when it, like, shifted. When I wanted to to be better at understanding stuff. Mm -hmm. Um, And I remember I went home and was talking to, like, my friends in Greek school. And I was like, do they do that in your town? And they're like, (laughs) what? Like men in goat skins? What are you talking about? I'm like, it's fantastic. We have to do that at the festival. And they're like, what? Call, someone call Peter. Yeah. <laughs> Just kidding. Festival, we store our Amelia outfits. Yeah. Whatever, man. But... <laughs> Listen, I had a neon it's pink close. Amelia. Okay. I was okay with that. Oh. Mm-hmm. Yep. We were um, pretty modern. I ruined... I ruined mine. I, my oh, dad yeah. got me this really nice one, and I was, you know, like you rip clothes off and mm-hmm. zip it up in the plastic bag. And my mom had asked me, like, she was chairman that year. She's like, make sure that you like let it air out before, because you know, like you sweat and it's like drenched. Mm-hmm. And I didn't. And when she opened the bag, like the whole back of it had mildew <laughs> because it had sat there for like a month. <laughs> she was like, this cost like three hundred dollars. <laughs> <laughs> I feel like been there, done that. We, we definitely had some mildew growing on some costumes. Right. <laughs> right. I bet a goat skin would be mildewed. Just right? saying. I know. It probably um, wouldn't. Have been. <laughs> uh, um, but it's funny, like, the more that I've, like, studied it is on, on the surface, it appears like it's just a bunch of guys, like, dancing around in bells but there's actually like certain steps that they take to turn to make the bells like sound in a different way and um they literally learn from the time that they're toddlers wow like how to wear these bells and how to dress and how to move in them and the crazy thing is is that we like you know assumed it's just like skeetos right um and the more that so my cousin, she runs the dance group in, in Skeetos. Um, 
there's actually pockets all over Europe where it's very similar. There's um, a group in Sardinia, hmm. and they do it. Um, I don't. They do it more like for like winter stuff, but mm-hmm. it's definitely like uh, pre-Christian. Mm-hmm. Same thing. They were similar things. They dance in the same way. It's like prescribed steps, how they move. They're much more like sober about it. But mm-hmm. um, yeah, and then the bells. And so I'm constantly trying to find like bits and scraps that are seem like they would not be related at all, but they're actually like, you know, you just imagine like people move and they take things with them, but maybe they don't remember everything about it, or maybe they can't get that kind of bell. So they use like a different kind of bell. It's just Mm -hmm. that kind of thing. Fascinating to me. Yeah. Um, How stuff changes like that. Yeah. And it's fascinating to think about how this stuff came about and how it traveled back when we didn't have things like Skype that we're on now or like the internet or, you know, like, I mean, you know, you said earlier about the video camera, Evan and I have joked about that. Like I remember back in the day trying to research dances and look them up and all this kind of stuff. And, you know, we had all the VHS tapes that we bought from like the Greek music and video in Astoria or we bought when we were in Greece or, you know, it was like, Oh my (laughs) gosh, go get the camera or, there was this guy in Gatbathos, and I, he's still there. He owns, like, a, a photography shop, stuff like that, but he's also, like, a videographer. And um, I remember just, like, whenever he was at an event, it was like, oh, yeah, we'll go make sure we get the video from him because he would get the footwork, you know, and, and everything perfect. Yeah. Um, but there's so much that we have to sort of rely on people to maintain and, and to keep um, – you know, when you're talking about that, I'm like, do they, are they still doing that in Skiros, like, today? Like, is it still a thing? Oh, God. And now it's, like, a, it's a huge festival. So, you know, I would say there's maybe a couple thousand people, um, like, actual Skidiani, mm-hmm. like, on the island mm-hmm. at various times. And now, so... They did, like, a, a video thing a few years ago. Like, some news thing did, like, a little, like, whoop, you know, about Skidos mm-hmm. Apologias. And uh, now they get upwards of, like, 10,000 people. Wow. Not residents. So like, flooding in to where they don't even have rooms for these people to stay. Mm-hmm. Um, and... Uh, Alexi, sexy Alexi, Tibra, he came there <laughs> two years ago, stayed in the house next yeah. to my dad. Um, you, know, you know, I'm <laughs> team Mitsotakis over here. You know how I feel about that, but we'll let it slide. I, I, I know, I know. It's fine. It's fine. <laughs> um, uh, yeah, so it's like a thing now. It's become, which worries me a little because yeah. uh, I feel like when there's that shift between... Um, Doing it because it's your tradition or custom or culture to be in, like, performance. Piece. I need to do this because people want to see this, or I have to make sure Tourism. because it's not just for us, mm-hmm. you know? Mm-hmm. It's like acting out of place. You lose for the your essence. Favorite. Yeah. Versus, like, doing it in your living room to be it on your front porch. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Totally. So I do worry. I worry a little bit. I mean, it's still very ingrained, um, but yeah, I do worry a little bit about that. 
and that is that's the challenge that we all face with you know honoring the heritage mm-hmm. and what like what I tell the kids because they ask me these questions all the time like you, know, you explain a dance where okay traditionally the men only would dance this and then you have the girls in the group say well that's not fair why shouldn't we have the opportunity to dance I'm like and I always say I'm, you should 100% learn the dance there's no a girl should know everything that the guys know and a guy should know everything that girls know there's no reason why you can't have the knowledge of the dance yeah. But when we're talking about, you know, performing the traditions, when we're talking about carrying on those traditions, whether or not you dance it and, or know how to dance it, it's in, important to know why. It's important to know why the men danced it and why the women didn't, or like vice versa, a woman's dance that the men didn't dance. It's important to know why and to be able to pass that on, even if in modern days we you know, twist that a little bit. Um, but when you're representing it, it's important to represent it correctly, you know? It, and there's always that struggle because we want to celebrate and we want to have fun and we want to do all these things, but you also have this commitment, this unsaid commitment to honoring the tradition. So yeah, exactly. it's the same thing with that. You know, you have all these people coming in and it's exciting because you have thousands of people that are seeing this tradition that moved you so much. Mm-hmm. And you want the world to see it because this is like an awesome tradition that everybody should experience, but you don't don't want to see it change that tradition into something that was this intimate and really powerful moving moment into fighting crowds of people to witness these, you know, crazy yeah. Greeks climbing up a mountain with bells on their way. <laughs> <laughs> And oh that's the challenge. <laughs> yeah. yeah, it's a, it's it's interesting. Like to watch, um, the videos every year. I used to like watch and like be super depressed. I wasn't there, um, <laughs> but just the sometimes there's so many people they cannot move like through the streets, mm-hmm. you know, mm-hmm. and and there's different things. Like we also do this thing where. Um, everyone dresses as kind of pirates and Mm. they wheel these boats into the square and then they do these like satirical plays and poems Mm -hmm. um, where they make fun of like everyone whatever the the news of the year has been like that's the topic and they're hilarious but now it's just like crowds and they're right up against the boat it's just crazy Mm -hmm. it's crazy I feel like too when you think about traditions you know, I think sometimes the response nowadays from, you know, um, whether it's the kids that we teach or, or whatever it might be, is like, well, like that's, you know, discriminatory or that's sexist that they wouldn't let, you know, a, a girl do this. And, you know, kudos for them for being aware of that, that stuff. But it's so hard to say, but think about when this originated. That was not the intention. Like they were not intentionally being like, we're going to be sexist towards women and not allow them to do this it was that the role of the man in the village was to learn this and I think what we what we don't learn is like the role of the women or you know sometimes that's Mm -hmm. like an afterthought to sort of talk about like what their role was or how they kind of um you know supported things and interestingly enough in in Katbathos there's a village which is at like the 
northernmost part of the island almost essentially and it is a matriarchal society Carpathos in general is very matriarchal right the firstborn daughter in the family receives all the property very different than other parts of Greece um, but in Olympos the women ran the society um, and they did so because the men were off fighting right and they kept the village alive so when you look at um, a female's costume or what they would wear in Olympos they are adorned like head to toe with every sparkling object you can have their gold coins you know everything right like bright colored fabrics yeah. rich dyes stuff like that and that i mean the male carpathian costume is no, nothing like that they don't have bling they don't have you know excitement <laughs> and jewels and stuff like that they have very similar footwear um in, in some instances if you choose to wear the boot but you know that's where that comes from it comes from the history it comes from the tradition and culture and i think that's something i kind of struggle with because it's hard to know that unless you grew up in those cultures and it's hard to talk to people today um to be like you know this wasn't because they were dogging women or dogging men or whatever it was yeah. just that is how the culture was in this place um and it's important yeah. to remember that you know yeah, it's it's really it's funny that you mentioned that because it is like the it, it's not that it wasn't important like the women the female aspect of of society and dance. It's mm-hmm. that it's completely different and I feel like it has been disregarded, mm-hmm. you know? Mm-hmm. Um like it's the same thing in Skeetos. The men's outfits kind of whatever, you know? Um but the women's is heavily embroidered, like silk and um, multiple layers. And when you look in the the yet or the the mm-hmm. dancers, the goat dancers, um, those are all things that men do, right? So it's like rough pelts that are sewn into a coat and wool le- leggings and the bells that are forged by the men. But then the women's side is much more like elaborate and refined. Um, and it's the same, like uh, the island was mostly seafarers, you know, mm-hmm. and they would leave. There were pirates. There were, you know, so the, the women had the homes to keep. Mm-hmm. And we tend to think of like the role of a woman as being something less instead of equally important like the level of embroidery and things like that people can't do that anymore Mm -hmm. like to make silk you know yeah to embroider like that way um i don't know i I feel like it's it should be lifted up a little more Mm -hmm. than it is it's it's crazy that we say that you know staying being the person at home taking care of the family raising the children and doing all that stuff is less than because mm-hmm. like how important is that and that the woman really being the the glue that holds all of that together that holds the family together that keeps everyday life going i mean i mean that's a whole other conversation that we mm-hmm. could have there but yeah but you know but there is there is this twisted emphasis that you know because the men do a, you know a flashier step or higher kicks that they're getting something more um, mm-hmm. 
uh, you know, one day, like when I talk about Cyprus and I talk about dances from Cyprus, men and women, the men and the women don't dance together from Cyprus. Men do their dances, women do their dances. The only dances that are really done together are dances that depict the wedding ceremony. Um, mm -hmm. And that's when the bride and groom dance together. Um, but the heavy emphasis is men dance with men, women dance with women. And the men's steps are always very flashy. There's a lot of high kicks, there's a lot of squats, and it's high energy. Um, but fundamentally, the step that the men do is far more basic than the women's dance. And I've tried a few times to teach the women's dance, and there is so much refinement in the step. There's so much refinement in the way you compose yourself, you hold your body, that it really just proves to be so difficult for people to grasp that. And I've tried with younger dance groups, and I'm like, this just, this is far beyond, like the level of maturity to be able to accomplish that and to be able to depict the women's dances of Cyprus are just beyond amateur or even intermediate level dancers. You have to, you have to have such level of control to be able, you know, it's four steps, but the way you step and the way you, you're using your heel and twisting your body, all of those movements just require so much sophistication. And it's like, I, I say that every time I've had kids ask me many times that, you know, they're from Cyprus and they want to learn the dances. I'm like, I would love to teach you, but we're, we're not there yet. Um, so when you talk about women's dances, it's like there is a huge level of complexity there that we're just not necessarily always tapping into because we're failing to see just how much importance was actually bestowed upon the women in yeah. in ancient societies mm -hmm. um, and in times, you know, in, in back in the day. Um, we look at it from the standpoint that, you know, from our standpoint today, that if you're not going out to work and, you know, getting a high salary, that you're not important in society. But if you get, if you, you know, the same notion that Maria says all the time, put yourself back 100 years and think about what was important back then. Did the women really feel like they were less than? I, I absolutely do not think so. I, I think women throughout all times will, you would, you would probably most likely see that women were very much right in it if not the head of the household the women are the culture keepers right mm -hmm. because um they're the ones that teach the kids the the skills and the dances and the songs and all of these things you know um they're the ones that remember my my grandmother used to always say like that women are the memory of the family right mm -hmm. it's important for you to ask questions and learn things and remember about what you do and your history because like it's your responsibility to tell the younger ones mm -hmm. and it's like when you think about the ancient form of it 5,000 years ago the men's men's society was always very public you know um and uh the the women's, um, uh, what do you call them? They call them cults, but not, you know what I mean? Mm -hmm. Like the, like the, the cult of Persephone or the cult of, of Demeter or mm -hmm. um, uh, like the Athena, the, the birth 
called. Mm -hmm. Those were all completely Artemis. No, there were no men allowed into those things. Mm -hmm. So the, the ones that wrote down everything were men, right? So mm -hmm. the, what went on in these cults, the women would go and have their banayiri and do their dances and, and um, have their celebrations of their different um, gods and goddesses. And men had no idea what was going on. Hmm. The, historically, like the only information we have are from where a, a small boy like snuck in or, you know, but, but mm -hmm. for the most part, what went on in those um, festivals, no one has any idea because the women's business is, was very like hidden. Mm -hmm. um, and because there's not the record of it, it's seen as like non-existent or not important, but like who knows what they were doing you know yeah right <laughs> right i mean planning like to take over the world basically exactly world domination from, exactly. started from long time ago <laughs> um oh. beba i have a question for you and it's so funny so i've known beba for you all out there in podcast land since i was probably 16 um actually i met maria when she was on her way to um prom from her festival right we talked about that in episode <laughs> yeah. one we totally talked about that yeah and for anybody who's old enough to remember dawson's creek i had the same dress as one of the girls on dawson's creek did i wish it was dawson's girlfriend and i was really um excited that i had that dress um so yeah anyway um i still have it it's somewhere in a closet and i've never worn it i was like i'm gonna wear it again <laughs> no it didn't happen okay anyway um but I love listening to you talk because you have such a focus, you know, with your archaeology background, like, you know, so much of the history. Right. Um, and I, I feel like that's something that everyone needs to hear. So um, I'm basically like booking you in for a whole nother podcast where we can talk more about this. <laughs> um, but I want to know, because I know you said earlier in the episode that you have an affinity for Cretan dancing. Mm -hmm. um, Evan and I struggled with this question. So you might struggle, um, which okay. is okay. But favorite dances, favorite regions, and then possibly something that's like a least favorite or something that maybe um, a dance that you struggle with. Okay. I would say my f favorite dance is Malavisiotica. Um, <laughs> uh, yeah, it's like me and my Kubata love that dance. <laughs> <laughs> um, yeah, I uh, I really like Cretan, and I'm probably obsessed with Cretan because I feel like um, this is like a whole other tangent. But um, looking at like patterns of ancient migration and mm -hmm. the way that different islands were populated. Um, me and a linguist friend of mine think that there's similarities to um, Skidos and Crete. And also Palestinians, mm -hmm. which is little, like the sea people, the Pelagians, like, um, so it feel, it felt like immediately familiar mm -hmm. when I was learning them. Not that they're like the same at all, but 
that like mountain culture, you know, mm-hmm. isolated. Um, but yeah, I mean, I feel like Cretan is very visceral and mm-hmm. still very like true to its original self. Um, you know, the, the music tradition, the dance tradition, all of that. Um, they, yeah, I think that's why I like it so much because it feels, it still feels so original and very hard to, um, commercial up, you know, Mm -hmm. (laughs) commercialize, I guess. Yeah. Um, uh, yeah, I like that a lot. I also like, um, my godfather's from Baros, and mm-hmm. so I grew up um, dancing with people from Baros and hanging out at Banayiri in the summer in Baros, and so I do love the Balos from Baros. Mm-hmm. What was the other part of the question? Sorry, um, got lost in my Cretan tangent there. No, you're okay. I think Evan and I both <laughs> did last night too, because. Um... Yeah, we both got lost there, too. Um, What's something, a dance or an area or a suite of dances, something that you struggle with, that you don't don't love, maybe? I mean, I know a guy who um, has become, like, obsessed with epidotical music. Mm -hmm. Um, He's a a white guy who is a musicologist from Virginia and he moved to Greece last year um, because he loves music from Ibudos. But for me, doing the dances from Ibudos are like, kill me now. They're just so slow and depressing, I feel like. Mm -hmm. Um, Even though I know that that's not the, like they're not depressing. It's just that like, he describes it as like the blues music of Greece, right? Everything's soulful and emotional. And um, so I have I have trouble with that. Cause sometimes you just want to move and they're very stayed. Mm-hmm. <laughs> so yeah, yeah. that's my, my struggle area. Although I have to say my favorite, absolute favorite costume is, and I can never remember the name of it, which sucks, but the Alexander the Great one from Macedonia that mm-hmm. the women have, where he gave yeah. them the, the headpiece. Yeah. I love that costume. It's gorgeous. Yeah. We were actually just talking about that a few weeks ago um, with the kids at dance. Um, and, like, the responsibility that comes along with, like, wearing that headpiece, you know? Right. Like, it's not just flair. This is not, you know, whatever right. office spa- uh, space, that movie, Office Max. What was that movie? Yeah. Office Space, yeah. Um, yeah. It, this, there's, like, a reason behind behind that you know it's a responsibility exactly and like the the men definitely have like flashier steps but the women got that headpiece because they were braver than the men you know Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. it's a sign of honor yeah Hmm. yeah go ahead sorry it's it's ironic that you said malavisioti because in my in our last episode um I said Malavisioti as one of the dances, not that I dislike, but uh-huh. I love the dance, but I feel like I struggle the most with mastering it mm-hmm. out of all the regions and dances that I know. I feel like I struggle. When I dance Crete and I just feel this immense um, 
need, desire, whatever. I don't know what the right word is here, but it, there's just this importance with getting it right when I dance it. I don't want, I don't want to represent the style of footwork in the wrong way. Mm-hmm. And I look at Crete and dancing as just such a, there's so much pride and there's so much power to it that I love. And that's what I'm, I'm drawn to it. But I get, when I dance, like Malavizioti, I think more so than any other uh, Cretan dance, I get very much in my head about it because I'm trying so hard to do right by it mm-hmm. that I feel like I don't, I don't allow myself to let the music take me the way um, I know it can. There's moments when it just everything clicks and everything's jiving and I'm like, oh, did I just do that? Okay, that, that worked. <laughs> that worked. That looked really good. But then there's other moments where I like I, I try to, you know, I overthink my steps. I try to, you know, plan it out. And I think that's where I go wrong with Cretan is because Cretan for me is really just about feeling what you feel in the moment and letting mm-hmm. that just, you know, carry through your whole body and into your footwork. Um, it's it's a dance that just requires you to have so much practice into it that it just flows and you don't have to sit there and plan out I'm going to do this this and this and this but rather the music takes you so yeah. that's why I said in my question <laughs> um, I said that Malavizioti is probably my most challenging dance to do because I try so hard to get it right that sometimes that just has the exact opposite effect Mm-hmm. So it was it's, I feel the same way <laughs> about um, about Pontiaga. Like mm-hmm. I, yeah. if I don't if I don't overthink it, I mm-hmm. feel like it's okay. But then I worry so much about getting that like perfect like nervous energy mm-hmm. when I'm doing it. You know that they just seem to do naturally <laughs> mm-hmm. <laughs> the shake. Um, that yeah, then I get like flustered and. If I think too much, it's just a mess. Total mess. (laughs) I will tell you, one of the best places to immerse yourself in dances from Bondos is, or events, places or events, is to go to um, Bandilla Sumela in the, like, mountains between New York and northern New Jersey. They basically have this church and, like, a house in the woods. Like, literally in the woods. There is nothing else there. Um, and they have a, a celebration there, um, and all they do is they dance all night long, all night long. Rain, doesn't matter. Like, they have an inside part, too. And obviously, like, you go to church and stuff like that, but it's, like, at least a... Is it a one-night overnight ever, or is it two? I don't even remember. It's at least one. Well, it depends. Sometimes, I mean, when... When the 15th of August falls on a Friday, they made that a three-day event. It starts Friday morning, mm-hmm. it goes Saturday, it goes Sunday, following church on Sunday, and they go all, and literally people are, they're camped out all around in the woods. So you just live, eat, drink, sleep, and anything in between is dance. Mm-hmm. There's always oh, music amazing. playing. I mean, even during church, they were playing. And mm-hmm. every once in a while, <laughs> you see, like, the priest pop out and be like, Scasa. <laughs> <laughs> like, turn it down. It's church time. That's awesome. <laughs> um, yeah. You know, it, that was that was an experience. That 100% was an experience. I mean, it was crazy. I remember the first year we went there, and um, 
there somebody came up to us because we went with one of our friends who um, was heavy into I mean from Bondos and everything but knew a lot of people and she was they were talking and they were saying well, what, what time are the dancers coming they're, they're like we don't have any dancers coming <laughs> <laughs> somehow that evolved into well hey my friends know how to dance seta and all those dance, like they can perform <laughs> and she looks at me she's like Evan you're doing seta I'm like what <laughs> I'm like, you can't put me in front of these actual Bundy and like say you're gonna dance set up for them. And it's just like, and yeah, panic attack. And I was like, exactly that. You know, if you get in your head, whew, there's no way all that shake and all that just body coordination yeah. goes out the window. But yeah, yeah, that is a great event though. <laughs> a great I love, I love hearing that that they still have this because I feel like in um, for the. I call them the second wave, but like the second wave <laughs> that came in the '60s and the '70s and the '80s, yeah. you know, versus like the early 19, late 1800, early 1900 wave. Yeah. Um, they really like bound together with these, you know, the idea of like the Silova from your area, right? Mm-hmm. So you have like the Evertonians and the Pontic and and all of that. And the, um, what's the other one? The one that's in DC. Anyway, oh, um, um, ooh, Ar- Arcadia, Arcadia, or yes, look, the Laconian um, Society. That's it. Yes, yes. There you go. <laughs> um, like growing up, we had like the Evertanians were were very strong, you know, mm-hmm. and and you kind of you go to the Evertanian dances and you know. You're doing everything Evertonian style. <laughs> it's very like <laughs> all the Capuciati and you know. Um, and there's one in Gastonia, North Carolina, but I can't remember. Maybe they're from Arakova, I think. Mm. Oh, interesting. They do it every year. And that one's that one's really interesting too. Um, but same thing, like people go for a couple days and it's it's just like, it sh- I mean, it should be, you know? It's like a Banahiti where people hang out and eat and drink and randomly dance. And, mm-hmm. you know, somebody says, let's do the pipetti. And everybody's doing, like, <laughs> dirty things right. <laughs> in a clearing in the woods, you know? <laughs> it's so funny because <laughs> we went to this. And I okay, don't remember. listening, not actual dirty things. Right. Like no, body, no. body. Yes, yes. No. Yes. Very, very big difference. But I I can't remember if we went to this before or after I had my first experience going to a Renaissance festival, because where this is in between New York and New Jersey is right around where the big Renaissance festival is in New York, and New Jersey. And I remember being like, I, I must have gone to the Renaissance festival festival before. And I was like, really, we're going to spend the day like out in the woods, you know, like, oh, OK. <laughs> And it was fun. Like Renaissance festivals are great. Like they're they're great fun. Um, but then you were like, we're like, oh, there's like a church Banagiri in the woods. Um, you want to go? And I'm like, yeah, sign me up. <laughs> like you know, like, you know, when everyone was like, oh yeah, it's, you you dance all night long. Like absolutely, sign me up. And what? Like come on, Maria, what a double standard. But it was fantastic. And I I do believe it is still going on. 
um, today. Um, we definitely stayed in a hotel because that I basically camp like Holiday Inn is camping for me. Um, so we stayed in a hotel, which wasn't too far. So if anybody's interested in going and, and learning about it, just hit us up and yeah. we can get you guys the details. But they are still doing it. Oh, that's so nice. They have not missed a year. Yeah. It's awesome. I think they did it this year too. I mean, you can be socially distanced dancing in the woods. That's They're in the woods. That's They're right. not inside. Yeah. Right. Um, on Skeeter Suite, we have like over 300 churches, and each church is passed down through the family, right? Mm-hmm. And when it comes time, uh, well, you're, you know, each family trades off on who takes care of it. And then um, uh, when it comes time for that festival, the family is responsible for throwing the banayiri. Mm-hmm. And it's just like they're literally up in the woods and people go up there and camp. And it's just constant, like constant people living in the woods mm-hmm. for to party, <laughs> you know. Um, and I remember trying to explain to like my friends one time about about that. Hey, sorry. Funny, you have to stop it. My cat is like bored, so she's gonna start knocking things over. Um, uh, and they were just like, "What? What? What do you do up there?" I'm like, "Well, you eat, and you dance, people sing." Yeah, they're just like what in else the do woods. You need to do? <laughs> yeah, yeah. I mean, duh. That's great. But it, I, exactly. I just. You know, I feel like when you go to those things here in the States, it's like the closest you can get in some ways to Greece, um, you know, without being in Greece. Um, yeah, truly. And like, you know, I was I was reflecting on our episode from when we recorded our first one. And I was like, oh, my gosh, like I feel connected to the Greek culture, obviously through church. You know what I mean? Of course, like Greek Orthodox Church connection to the culture. But for me, dance is the ultimate one of the ultimate connections to the Greek culture, even Mm -hmm. more so beyond church. You know what I mean? Like there's connection to the Greek culture through church, through like the mysticism and through the saints and, you know, learning Mm -hmm. about like where they lived and and that kind of stuff um, and how they lived. But the dancing is like just absolutely that pure connection for me. Um. Well, yeah, because Panayota, <laughs> oh, sorry, sorry, get down. Um, uh, because, well, dance predates the church, right? By like yeah. several thousand years. <laughs> <laughs> you know, the the clothing yeah. may have changed, the, um, the religious exercises may have changed, but but there is a direct connection from ancient Greek dances to modern Greek dances. Mm-hmm. Um, so yeah, I mean, I, I feel the same way. It's like you're, it's the most visceral connection, right? Mm-hmm. Because you're, you're using your mind, but you're moving your body, you know? It's like, yeah. I don't know. Yeah, it's so solid. Um, you don't have people doing the, the doogie like, Right. <laughs> Three thousand years later. <laughs> you know what I just thought about? And you might know this because you're history minded. Like did Socrates ever dance? What about Plato? I'm sure he did. Right? Who knows about that? I mean, 
I'm sure it's written somewhere. I can't, I mean, Pausanias did, for sure. That we know. Right? Like, right? I mean, I'm just thinking, like, did Plato, like, throw down a real solid Zambekiko one day? <laughs> I mean, I'm just kidding. I know that that's, like, not going to, that's <laughs> not how it works. <laughs> but, like, uh, I don't know. I have to find somebody who may have a little bit of expertise in this because I think, like, if you think back to the dances that we truly know, and I, I joke about Zimbekiko, I know that's not mm-hmm. an ancient Greek dance or one that has, you know, has more modern roots, if anything. But, I mean, how cool would that be? Like, I don't know. Maybe I'm just mm-hmm. a dork. But, you know, if you're doing well, a a dance, like you're doing the same thing as these philosophers who people study across the globe did, you know? Yeah, for sure. I mean... I know that there's um, there's definitely like carvings and uh, pottery that shows people in the act yeah. of dance, mm-hmm. and yeah. they've even been able to recreate like the ancient music that went along with it from different notations that they found, you know. Mm-hmm. Um, so I'm sure it's possible. I would think because the the Pontic people went to the Black Sea around mm-hmm. like the 8th century. I would think that those would be like the closest connection, right? Whenever you have a culture that moves and isolates itself, it kind of becomes like the, the pure version mm-hmm. because um, when you're in the culture, it's kind of like how I feel like Greeks are in the U.S., right? A lot of our parents have this <laughs> distilled, like we are the epitome of like 1960s and 1970s culture mm-hmm. <laughs> and then you go to Greece and it's changed but because that's our that's where our parents left off when they came here mm-hmm. that's like kind of that's where our start starting point was from so um, yeah I would think that maybe the Pontifices would probably have the most like direct connection that we would no. I don't know I have to read Right. Read up on that. Come back and let us know. Thank you. <laughs> that makes sense. It's very. There's a very strong logic to that. So. Yeah. Well, the the Calabrians in in Italy, they're they're they were a Greek colony, right? Mm-hmm. Same thing. I think they were like seventh or eighth century that they went, and so the Tarantella is actually a Greek dance. Mm-hmm. They still speak ancient Greek. You know, I'm like fascinated by by them, too, (laughs) because they're just like isolated mountain people who felt no need to change any part of their culture for (laughs) literally being surrounded by. Yeah. Yeah. And that's kind of in a way how like like Olympus is sort of like that. I mean, it has been, you know, has changed because of of roads and stuff like that. But, Mm -hmm. you know that was the stronghold on the island they they spoke dialectical greek or doric greek they spoke they have very different accents in some mm-hmm. ways you know um because nobody could reach them nobody you know it's treacherous yeah. like please trust me when i say that because my dad definitely drove us there as kids and as young adults <laughs> instead of taking like the boat which <sighs> um but you know there it was not easy to reach that part of the island even if you went by yeah. boat because the waters are deep super deep and, and rough and stuff like that um it's just it's so cool to see the transfer of cultures and and mm-hmm. you know to also see that sort of living on in the states in whatever shape and form 
you know, it, it lives on with. Um, so I feel like this was such a great time catching up. I, again, have known you since I was 16 and I'm 21 now. So it's been a long time. <laughs> um, <laughs> long kidding. five years. Right? Long five years. <laughs> Add a few decades onto that. Um, but I learned so much more about you today, um, which I think is so great because, again, this proves that Greek dance and culture is just what connects us all and we can always learn from each other. Um, so I definitely want to thank you for taking time um, to be on the podcast. And I feel like in the future, we definitely need to revisit some of those questions like what did Plato do? Um, yes. And, you know, um, <laughs> more about more about Skidos and, you know, the guys dancing and skins and stuff like that. I feel like that's so cool. Maybe we can like find some good videos of that and link to that in the show notes as well. Um, Absolutely. But. Bebo, um, we thank you. This was amazing. And um, if you guys liked this episode, make sure you subscribe. Give us five stars. It just helps us to show up um, in searches. And um, yeah, we will see you guys on the next episode. Have a good day, everyone.